I'm Michael Bumpus here with Paul Moyer. Thank you, everybody, for listening and the people who are here. We got Taylor out front hollering at us. What's up, folks? It's nice for you guys to come out and hang out with us. If you were not aware, there was a big game on Monday against a guy who used to wear the jersey. He's wearing a different jersey. Who won that game, Paul Moyer? The, the, the 12s, if you can hear me, turn this up here. Um, the 12s won that game. 12s won that game. 12s were unbelievable, but that was that was an emotional game. And uh, that's probably the loudest I've heard the crowd since we got to go back to 2013 in the NFC Championships game against San Francisco. I, and when I say loud, I mean, there's been moments where it's been loud, but it was loud you know, an hour before the game yeah. until the game ended, and it was relentless. And th- there's no question in my mind the Seahawks don't win without the 12s on that one. And, you know, I'm kind of here to defend them because the nationally – they took some shots at the 12 for being classless. And, you know, why wouldn't you cheer Russell? And I go, well, one, because they're loyal. Right. You know, and their loyalty is to the new bride. And that new bride is Geno Smith. And that's what the Geno, Geno, Geno was about him having to put the weight of the world on his shoulders and what he did. I mean, to go 13 for 13, 17 for 18 the first half, unbelievable. And then the second part to me, it was more of a... I think it was a compliment to Russell Wilson because if Russell was at the end of his career, if he was washed up, I think they would have clapped for him. But they knew what this game meant, mm-hmm. and they came with it, and they were loyal to the to the Seahawks, and they were going to give everything they could. And the way you do that is you got to get in Russell's ear. Yeah. And I don't know if it worked on Russell or not, but, man, they were relentless. And I, I, it was so much fun. That was just a, an unbelievable game. You, you know what they say where I'm from. They was loyal to their soil, okay? Yeah. It's all about the Seattle Seahawks. And um, Russell came back, and he and he played well. He played well. He 340 did. yards, one touchdown. Um, there was a decision that was made later on in the game. If you pay this man $240 million to go out there and play football for you, you would think towards the end of the game they would give him the football and say, win or lose this game for them. I'll tell you one thing. I'm glad they didn't give it to him because he has a history of just coming back and doing that. So, we can put Russell to rest now, right? We can we can move on a little bit, or, or yeah, what are we going to do here? Here's the why. We don't play them for four more years. They're in the AFC. We're in the NFC. The next time we'll see them actually here would be eight years because right. it rotates along. So that was a nice little welcome and, and goodbye. Look, he's going to have his time. He's going to come back here. He's been one of the great ones in, in Seahawk history. He deserves to be in the ring of honor and all the accolades that he's going to get and, and praise. But we got a new bride, and he wanted out. He wanted the divorce, and that's why I think the 12s were so they, – they, they were into it. You know, Bobby Wagner comes back. It's different. We let Bobby go. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not going to – it's not even be close to that because Bobby didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. So, again, yeah, we're moving on. Um, new era, a bunch of young – Stud football players, uh, it's going to be a fun season. All right, so we're done talking about Russell, guys, because yep. the Seahawks won this football game. So let's focus on the Seahawks and what they did. You mentioned Geno Smith started 13 of 13, 17 of 18 going into the half, um, had two touchdowns, finished 23 of 28. He looked like the guy that Pete Carroll described because during this whole quarterback competition, we're like, is it going to be Drew? Is it going to be Geno? You look at Drew Locke, you say he's younger, he's more athletic, he has a better arm, but that's not what Pete Carroll's looking for. He was looking for a guy who's going to run this offense, who's going to be efficient. Now, Gino was efficient to the next level. He was more than efficient. Now, we can't expect that every week from him, but what we saw out of him was a guy who understood this offense, and I think that's what made them comfortable. What did you see out of this offense that you really liked? Well, let me 
let me talk about Gino for a sec because right. there, there was so much on him that you know he can't do it. Why are we? We already know what he is. I go. No, we don't, because everybody's looking at him when he was 22 and 23 years old, seven, eight years ago when he was with the Jets. He didn't really play again. He played a game here, a game there. He's behind Phillip Rivers. He's behind Eli Manning. He's behind Russell Wilson. You're not getting those opportunities. But what we saw from last year in the games he played, and then certainly throughout preseason, and now in the first regular season game, I think we got a pretty good idea of what he is. Yeah. And he's very efficient with the football. Um, he made plays when he needed to with his legs. But, you know, no, really no sacks. He had the two sacks. But, you know, the ball's coming out of his hand quickly. They designed some really cool plays with the tight ends that isolated them on their linebackers. Um, he knew exactly where the ball was going to go. He had control of where the clock was. Um Again, if we're down 21 points, that's not our team. Right. You know, we're, we're not going to – it's going to be hard for us to come back. But uh, I tell you what, with the type of defense we play with our running game, uh, we win a lot of games with Geno. I like what Geno brings to the table. He's not going to take too many risks, but eventually you're going to ask him to take a couple of risks. We didn't see DK and Tyler Lockett get involved. They had 10 receptions, but just 64 yards between the two. And maybe that makes some of you guys, people panic, right? When are we going to get DK involved? Are we going to see him throw the football down the field? Lockett's biggest play was probably on that very first drive when Geno found him stepping up inside the pocket. But I think that's something that's eventually going to happen. What you need is to establish the run game. Rashad Penny had 12 carries for 60 yards. There were two runs that were called back over 20 yards that would have put him over 100 yards. So the uh, the recipe is there, right? It's all about just putting it all together at the right time. And I love that there's still things to improve on. We didn't see everything you wanted to see out this offense that very first week. No, we put 17 points on the, the board in the first half. You know, so it's looking pretty impressive at that point because we are driving the ball so well. We didn't punt in the first half. And I'm like, okay, this is a pretty efficient. Oh, this is what Pete wants it to look like. Right. And, you know, there will be opportunities to get Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf in the game more. But if they're going to play shell, they're going to play hard over the top the whole time, then it's going to be more underneath. And in this particular situation, this game, man, it was all about the tight ends in the first half. They had six of the 18 catches in the first half, um, and they were explosive plays. Obviously, the Will Disley touchdown, and then you throw in uh, Cody Parkinson, who we had on the show last week uh, as well. Great, great play by him. So what you're saying, come on the show, and and you're going to ball out. Which, by the way, we do have uh, Abraham Lucas uh, uh, will be here live at 8 o'clock, and then we're also going to have Michael Jackson, uh, the corner for the Seahawks. He'll be calling in at 745. And I am really excited to talk with Abraham Lucas. Lucas, because I want to ask him about that long run from uh, Penny that they called holding on him. Yeah, that, that, that was, was ridiculous. Horse, that was ridiculous. Of course, you know what? Come on now. Yeah, that was a bad call. Yeah, let my guy live. All right, so we focus on the offense. Let's touch on this defense because that was a talking point as well, right? What is this 3-4 going to look like? Who's going to make plays? And you know who made plays was Etienne Nwosu. Oh, man. NFC player of the week. The guy had a sack, a tackle for loss, a pass defended, seven tackles. Um, what did you see out of this defense? defense that uh, that you liked well I, I just think it was uh, the effort you know it, it does look different I'm not sure how much different I, I watched it a couple times today before this show we'll ask Michael Jackson who was part of the uh, the team last year you know what what are the main differences other than going from a 4-3 to a 3-4 yeah but I do like that we've got two edge rushers in Nuosu and certainly uh, Daryl Taylor that Man, they're a problem. You know, teams have to always account for them, and they've got a motor both in the passing game and in the running game. Let me ask you this. 
Okay. What did you like about it from going up you know, as an offensive guy going up against yeah. it? What I liked about it specifically is that they understood that Russell Wilson wants to throw the football. Yes, he threw for 340 yards, right? The guy had a good day. But what type of coverage or what type of scheme gave him the most trouble was that too high look. We saw him start that year when Russell was cooking, right? And then the Giants come into town and, and simmer him down with a too high look. So I appreciated that. They said, look, we know who Russell is and what he likes to do. Let's put a too high look out there. Also, Jamal Adams. Now, we're not going to see him anymore. Mm. Um, unfortunately, he is done, it seems like, for the rest of the year with a quadricep injury. But the way that they used him, that's why I'm interested to see what, how they use Josh Jones and Quandre Diggs and Ryan Neal. Right? Do they have the attributes, some of the attributes that Jamal Adams had? Because they would run that too high look, and they put Jamal at a linebacker spot with the nickel on the other side. So this is the, okay, we got our hybrid safety who's playing a linebacker who's going to come and get you. I like just the creativity that I saw in that defense. Yeah, people have asked, you know, how big of an impact at losing uh, Jamal Adams. I go, it's big. I, I, we could replace him as a safety. You know, I mean, if we're going to play a too high safety, Ryan Neal, uh, if, if, again, I don't know where he is as far as health and stuff, but we've seen him in the past. He's a playmaker, more, more than capable. Uh, so we can mix those three, those three safeties. I'm just, but what they were doing from a package inside the box for Jamal Adams is what's going to be hard to replace. Um, you know, he's so explosive. His first two steps are as explosive as anybody in the NFL and how he can attack the line of scrimmage. He's tough. He's a good tackler. He can blitz. Unfortunately, the play that uh, he hurt himself on, they had a design blitz for him kind of as a middle linebacker on third down. Yeah. And they just ran a little stunt between him and the center. Um, you, you can't replace that. So we're going to it's going to be a little different. You know, uh, maybe we go more three linebackers in the, that situation, you know, in nickel situations along the way. I, I don't know. You know. Time will tell. All right. So we talked about this offense. We talked about this defense. We're going to the Bay to play the 49ers. As of late, the Hawks have had their number, but we know that some things have changed over there as well. They're trying to figure out their quarterback situation. They have their guy, but they also have another guy lurking who's been there for a while, Jimmy G. They went over to Chicago, took an L, 19-10 to 10 is what they lost. And um, I saw some moments for Trey Lance early, but also saw some moments where he looked like a rookie. One thing you can depend on or count on when it comes to the 49ers is that defense is going to look good. They are they're the number one defense right now. They they gave up 200 yards. So if you just take week one stats, they're they're number one, and they play like number one. Their front four is electric. You know, from Armstead to you know Bosa, they attack. Fred Warner to me is the best middle linebacker in the NFL, and I say that because I really think uh, Jordan Brooks is going to be one of those guys too. Yeah. But Fred Warner plays with his hair and fire. His recognition uh, in the first, I was just watching a couple quarters uh, when they, they were playing Chicago, and how he got underneath some pass routes. Mm -hmm. So he's a complete player, man. It, they are go it's going to be a physical game. It's going to give our offense all the tests that they want. So we're going to have a really good idea where our offense is. And it's going to be a different game plan. Yeah. It's got to be. We're going to have to take some shots downfield. We're going to have to run the football. But the ball's got to come out quick because what they do is they attack every pass route because they know they're going to get pressure with their front four. So they don't have to play soft in coverage. It's going to be a battle Ooh. against our offense. Come on. It's going to be a battle. Hey, you guys who are here, make sure you stick around. we got raffles coming up or whatnot. Get you guys involved. But when we come back, Paul Moore and I will go around the NFL. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Right now we have Jennifer Lee Chan joining us from the Bay. Jennifer, how are we doing? 
I'm good. How are you doing? We are doing okay. We're ready for a matchup, uh, a familiar foe. You know, I watched film on you guys last week, and it's hard to judge you guys, Jim, because it's like, okay, it was raining. It wasn't ideal. You got a, a rookie-esque quarterback because he hasn't played that many games. But one thing is for certain is that the Niners are going to run the ball, and they're going to play good defense. What's the feeling like over there in the Bay after one week of football? Well, you know, they're just kind of recovering, and, you know, it's going to be another rainy day on Sunday, 85% chance of rain, so they're going to have to do it all over again. I don't think it can be as sloppy as it was in Chicago. The guys are talking about how there were puddles all over the field. I mean, they squeegeed it, for goodness sake. So I don't <laughs> think that will happen at Levi's. The drainage is much better. But uh, it should be an interesting game. Trey Lance is learning as any uh, kind of, you know, you call him a rookie because it's really his first year as a starter. And uh, I think he's just going to progress as he keeps going. You know, just watching them on film uh, afterwards, I mean, look, they, their defense is ridiculous. I mean, they're so good. I mean, they get after you. And even offensively, they did some good things. I, is there any panic, though, Just uh, or is it more just, hey, we think the weather was a bigger factor offensively than what the offense really is capable of? Uh, I was in the locker today, and it seems like everybody's calm and cool and collected. But, you know, anytime. Uh, they're asked about any good plays on Sunday, you know, the, at the, in Chicago. It, I think it's tainted by the loss. So it's definitely hit the hit home that they've lost a the game that they really should have won. But, yes, you're right. The defense is a top-notch defense, but they let it get away from them. You know, penalties on third downs that kept the drives alive for the Bears, that really made a difference. And you know, they lost a game that technically everybody thought that they would win. We're talking to Jennifer Lee Chan of NBCSports.com, Bay Area. There's a quarterback on the sidelines, Jennifer, and uh, he's lurking. He wears number 10. You might be familiar with him. <laughs> I <laughs> what have do, no what idea you, who you're talking about. No idea. <laughs> he might be the most handsome man to play football in a very long time, Jen. Um, what, what's the feeling over there with him? Are, are the fans already asking for Jimmy G? How, and how patient do you think the coaching staff is going to be with Trey Lance having Jimmy G on the sidelines? I, mean, I think they're going to be very patient with him. I don't think there's a short leash on Trey Lance at all. You know, Jimmy didn't practice at all during training camp. He just started back with the team. You know, his shoulder is 100%, but he doesn't have, I don't think, the the physical endurance that he would have if he had had a regular offseason. So I think the only way that Jimmy Garoppolo gets put on the field anytime soon is if Trey Lance gets hurt. And the way Trey Lance was running, that's a possibility. So, I mean, he had a ton of running attempts in Chicago, and he probably will again if it stays rainy and the weather is bad. So uh, he's learning how to protect himself. He's a guy who doesn't slide. He didn't slide when he played baseball. He's slid <laughs> once in his football career. I mean, overall, his entire football career, he slid once, and we saw it during the preseason. And uh, so, yeah, he's, you know, if he keeps running the way he is, there's a huge potential for injury. Of course, you never want that to happen to a guy. But, you know, he is young. And, you know, when you're younger, you're kind of more like a rubber band. I, I remember those days. <laughs> you know, he, he 
he, I was telling uh, Bump earlier, I go, I was watching him, he, he reminds me, I, I don't want this to be a negative, but um, he reminds me of like a blue chip five-star high school player that you look and go, wow, that talent is unbelievable. But when I, I watch his mannerisms, just the way he, he takes a snap, uh, the way he does his fakes, uh, you know, around the line of scrimmage and play action and, and works in the pocket, he still looks so young. Is he... Is that is that just perception? Yeah, I mean, he is young. He is 22 years old. He doesn't have a whole lot of game experience, so that is true. And I think he's going to get better as he learns more, as he plays more, as he gets more game reps. I mean, you look at any quarterback, you know, without reps, they just don't develop, and he hasn't had that many. So as he, you know, gets good coaching from Kyle Shanahan and, you know, learns the offense well, I think all of that stuff will come together. He has so much potential, but like you said, he's just raw talent, and it'll get it'll – get, refined as he as you know he progresses throughout his career jennifer um another thing you can count on <laughs> with the 49ers is that they have the ability to just put a running back in the backfield if the starter goes down and they seem to uh <laughs> to really perform i remember jeff wilson coming up here a year or two yeah. ago and running all over the seahawk defense is it all up to jeff now and, and what do you expect out of him yeah, I would expect him to be the starting guy. Uh, the two rookies that they have, you know, one, Ty Davis Price is third-round pick. Jordan Mason's an undrafted free agent. Kyle Shanahan is so good at finding those undrafted low-round guys who just, for well, Elijah Mitchell, who's out for eight weeks, he was a sixth-round pick. So, you know, he finds guys. It doesn't matter where they come from, what round, what school. If they, you know, show him what they can do and he likes it, he's not afraid to put them in. And uh, Ty Davis Price, Jordan Mason are kind of bigger backs. Uh, Jeff Wilson's not a, exactly a small guy, but, you know, they've kind of had smaller running backs in the past. Those two guys are, the rookies are a little bit bigger. Uh, they run with speed, and, you know, it's just, I think the biggest challenge for a rookie in Shanahan's offense is knowing the job of everybody on the field, and that's the tough one, especially when you've got Debo stepping in at the back and then going back out as a wide receiver. Their jobs responsibilities change every time that happens so they've got to stay on top of it and it's hard for a rookie in any position in Shanahan's offense so that's the big challenge well I'm going to switch to the defense because they they are electric we all know about Bosa um, I think Fred Warner's the best middle linebacker in the NFL I, it's it's kind of crazy sometimes the rankings they give him below top 10 and I, I don't even understand it he is plays with his hair on fire he's, he's everywhere he's a complete player but I want to talk about this one guy, and you may have to help me with his name. Is it Talona uh, Hufanga? Love that dude. From USC. Talanoa yes. Hufanga. Thank you. He, uh, well, first of all, a 2021 draft pick out of USC. Um, played a couple games, a little bit last year. He jumps off the page in this first game. Tell us a little bit about him. Uh, he's a great kid. He uh, comes from my alma mater, so I already have an affinity for any USC player. <laughs> um, but he also practices during the offseason with Troy Polamalu. So that's kind of his, his mentor. That's the style of play he likes to uh, you know, play in. And he has really taken his game to the next level. It was a challenge for him the first season. Again, learning the speed of the NFL is a challenge for any rookie. But he really got in there, got some game reps, which helped him out. 
but this offseason really worked hard on improving and the one of the great things about him is he's like it's I'm not I'm not done he's, he's always working to get better he's got this attitude like you know it's it's a process and he's just been had a nose for the ball yeah you saw it in Chicago got a pick and his energy is infectious and I think the secondary really enjoys him out there Jennifer, we appreciate you hopping on with us and, uh, and giving us a nice little preview here. You take care, and we'll talk to you soon. We're going to bring the rain down for you. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want it. <laughs> All right, Thanks you again. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. Right, that was bye. Jennifer Lee Chan, NBCSports.com Bay Area. I'm Michael Bumpus. He's Paul Moore. You guys stick around. we got raffles going on. Coming up next, we're going to talk to corner Michael Jackson right here on Hawks Live. We got family in the crowd. The Rodgers are here. We got Taylor, familiar faces. It's a family affair going on, going on. And Moyer, we're sitting, we're lounging. We're on the couch right now, feeling I'm, good. I'm as comfortable as can be. I mean, this is good. I got I got back spasms like crazy, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable with them right now. So we, um, look. we're going to talk to a guy, Mike Jackson. He is a great story for the Seahawks. He is proof that if you just show up and do your job and compete and make some plays, you have an opportunity to make this team. I don't think that's that's fair all across the league. Some organizations are like that. You know, you, you have guys that you pigeonhole and you say, this guy's going to have opportunity no matter what. Mike Jackson make that squad. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a uh, 2019, a fifth-round pick by the Dallas Cowboys and bounced around with a few teams. You know, they signed him to uh, the uh, practice squad uh, after 2019, and then Detroit signed him uh, off of their practice squad, and then New England grabbed him, and then we ended up uh, getting him and then uh, signed him to a futures contract. Um, I'm really curious when we get him on, does he go by Michael or Mike? Because I, I would imagine Michael Jackson would probably be really... Here's here's our connection, right? My yeah. name's Michael. Yeah. I was named after Michael Jackson, Where but my name's not Michael Jackson. I know and if that. you call me Michael, then we just met. So most people or call I'm me mad Bob, at you. call me Mark. Oh yeah, or the wifey, or or the mom is mad at me. My, my son is Nick, but when I'm mad, I'm like, Nicholas James, and he, whenever I call him Nicholas, he goes, Dad, don't call me that. This is always always so mad. But I mean, obviously, with Michael, Jack, we got Kobe Bryant on our team. We got Michael Star-studded. Jackson. Um, so I'm curious about that. But look, let me tell you a little bit about him as we're waiting for him to come on. Boy, he's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's so amazing to me that how he didn't stick with another team. Uh, one part of it, I think, is just opportunity right. because he is a tough dude. I mean, he comes with it. I mean, I, I don't know. He could play safety. I, that's how good of a hitter he is and tackler. He ain't. He doesn't shy away from anything. He's got good feet. I mean, he he's rarely in a bad position. Just watch him through preseason and even this last game. I know Pete. You know, he's all about you know some tackling and and, and don't miss tackles, but. The two that I would, if they say he missed them, man, I, I, if I was a coach, I'd have a hard time telling him what else to do. Right. Because he came in there with the shoulder. He tried to wrap, but his arms, right when he hit, they c- kind of went down, and the guy bounced off. And I think one of them was a tight end. But, uh, no, he's, what a pleasant surprise. to think about our two starters. Our two starters this past <laughs> week were Michael Jackson, who was on our practice squad yeah. last year, and Tariq Woolen, who's played about 15 games at corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
and we won. <laughs> Which, boy, the future looks good. Yeah, the future looks bright with guys like Michael Jackson, Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant got some time in there as well. You talk about the offense with the rookies at the tackle spot. It's, um, it's rare that you have so many new guys out there, especially with this transition, right? You would think that with the transition that's going along from – uh, Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, KJ left a couple years ago that you would just go with what you know. Like, okay, I'm going to trust these guys because they've been here for a while. Now, Sidney Jones was out because of a concussion, and that gave opportunity. But that's how this league works. I mean, I got my shot in the league because of an opportunity because three, four guys went down and said, all right, I guess we got to play this dude, <laughs> throw him in there, and let's see what he does. So I think that's a testament to Michael Jackson to just staying ready and taking advantage of every opportunity that he had. And, and this kind of reminds me, go back to 2012, you know, where you got Tyreek Woolen who starts at corner, and so does Michael Jackson. And I get that, um, you know, we had a couple of veteran guys who didn't play through preseason and, and were, were banged up, but they're veteran guys that you, you know what you're going to get. And Pete said, no, you know, we're, we're playing the guys who played the best throughout training camp. I don't care if you're on a practice squad or you're a rookie, you're starting. And that to me said a lot because I'm, I'm taking back 2012. Russell Wilson gets an opportunity after we just signed a guy for, you know, $10 million or I can't back then it was big money. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember his name anymore, which just goes to show you another one of our, our quarterbacks in the past that didn't do anything. Um, but yeah, to me, really, really impressive. And I thought Michael Jackson played well, and I think he's going to continue to play well. It's going to be a battle because they're Kobe Bryant's going to get better. He only, mm-hmm. he, I think he only had two snaps. You know, one of them was the, the touchdown. Um, I think had Coleman played for the most part, most of the nickel. And we know, and actually I was, I had to go back and watch cause I, it's hard to see during the game. You can't watch everybody. And I go, you know, he still has that same quickness he had a couple years ago when he was here. And so that was encouraging for me. Those quick feet. I mean, he was the best at covering a guy in the slot and be able to break on an out route and be able to undercut it. Um, so the quickness is still there. So I'm, I'm encouraged with our secondary. I mean, you know, the Jamal Adams is a tough one. Yes, yeah, but I think we'll be okay. That's tough. One of the knocks on this this defense as a whole was the tackling during the preseason. Michael Jackson got a lot of snaps during the preseason tackling. So when we lined up on Monday Night Football, that's what I wanted to see. You mentioned Mike Jackson not making a play on a tackle. Those guys play football, too. They are going to make plays. I looked at the defense, and it seemed better, right? Because during the preseason, I think you mentioned last week, we didn't see 13 starters out there for the Seahawks. Guys, you are going to count on. When you looked at the defense and the tackling, did that seem a bit better to you? I thought the tackling got better as the game went on. Um, We we played. Played hard. That's, I mean, it's going to happen. But when you don't tackle really live, live, it's just there's no way you're going to be at the, your best. And by the way, someone mentioned it was Flynn. Uh, the great thing about <laughs> technology today is you're on the air. People are saying, correcting you on air. There you go. Um, but no, I, I, I liked what we were doing. I think our front four is really good. I mean, you throw in uh, Harris, you throw in uh, Monet, you throw in Puna Ford, you throw in, we didn't even play Miles Adams, which was crazy. Uh, Nuosu, uh, you know, and, and um, Daryl Taylor out there. We we have Al Wood. I mean, we yeah. have so many guys now that are depth, and they were really they made it tough for Russell. You know, Russell didn't have a whole lot of time other than when I got on a few bootlegs and he got outside the pocket. Now, one thing that I thought was really interesting is that Pete Carroll said, 
well, Russell's not that good going to his left. And our whole <laughs> game plan was to force him to go to the left. Uh -huh. Now, look, that was kind of the demise of Colin Kaepernick. You know, once they found out he couldn't throw to his left, I mean, that was a demise for him. Um, I never thought Russell had a, a problem throwing Me to either. his left. But you know what? They studied enough film, obviously 10 years with them. You're going to know his strengths and weaknesses. So I was getting mad sometimes when I'm going, why are they letting him out of the pocket to the left? Maybe it was more game plan. But he did kind of say, yeah, we got to tighten up our our lanes a little bit and make sure that, you know, people aren't breaking the pocket. Man, we talk about um, these players taking the next step. You want to see guys like DT look better. Um, Uchenna had a, had a great first week with the Seahawks. But I also looked at the coaches. I'm like, these coaches are in positions that they're not really, haven't been in before. Clint Hurt being the first time defensive coordinator. Shane Waldron, his second year, being able to call plays the way that he wants to call it. And I think that was evident with just how they call plays because I saw some things that I didn't see last year with Russell Wilson. Um, when you look at the coaching staff defensively and offensively, it, how did you view their game plan, their approach to this week, and how do you see it changing this week against the Niners? Well, I think it's every week's a game-to-game -game adjustment. Let's start with last week with Shane Waldron. Um, well, we started off 13 for 13, 17 for 18. Yeah. Um, we scored on a, uh, we didn't have to punt. We scored 17 points. Enough said, right? And there was two things that I thought really jumped out, though, for, for me. One was there was two d design plays that I thought were really good. The first one was, I think it was a third down play. It may have been a second down play, but I think it was a third down play. Tyler Lockett, and he kind of ran like a fake out and, and, and broke it back into the seam. And uh, Gino got hit hard. Gino got hit hard on his right side, I think, right when he's about to throw it and completed a perfect throw because he's big and he's strong. That wouldn't have happened last year. You know, one, the guy we had last year wouldn't have seen it. And two, he wouldn't have been able to take that hit with that throw. And then the other one was Shane is when he isolated for um, uh, uh, Kobe Parkinson. And they ran that nice play. I think we're going to do something later on that where they brought the wide receiver on a crossing route. I couldn't understand their defense because they played man-to-man -man with the corners. And then it looked like they were playing a little bit of zone and in a matchup zone turned into man uh, behind it. But whatever they did and saw, they knew it because they kind of like cheered each other like, yeah, we got him. Uh -huh. And they isolated yeah. Colby Parkinson on the, the linebacker. Beautiful throw for a touchdown. So I looked the first half. If that's where they want it to be, I'm good all day. Yeah. First half, second half, two different stories. Offense won the first half, defense won the second half. So this week, let's get a complete game going. Hey, guys, come join us here on Thursday nights where you'll have a chance to win gift cards from the Bellevue Collections Dining District. Tonight, they're giving away gift cards to Cactus, Duke Seafood, Cypress Lounge, and the Wine Bar at the Weston. Lots more to do when we come back. I'm Michael Bumpy. He's Paul Moore right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by Bellevue Collection. Every Thursday, right here on 710 Seattle Sports Station. We're broadcasting live from Bellevue Square Center. Corey Paul Moya, right now we are joined by Mike Jackson. Mike, what's up? How are you doing? First question I got for you, man. My name is Michael as well. So do you go by Mike or do you go by Michael? I go by Mike. Mike. That's what I thought. I told my buddy here, Moyer, I go, if anyone calls me Michael, I either just met them or I'm in trouble. So, Mike, yeah. you don't go by Mike Jackson. <laughs> you, you, your son's Michael Jackson Jr. Are you going to call him Mike or is he Michael? No, we call him Madge. Oh, really? 
I like that. Yeah. You got you to gotta, you gotta switch it up a little bit. Well, well okay, first of all, congratulations on just – I've been doing this uh, as a player, coach, broadcasting for f- almost 40 years. I don't want to date myself too much. And that was about as electric a night as I can remember. I don't want to say it was the most electric, but I'll put it probably in the top five. Just, just talk about that experience. I mean, here you go from practice squad to great preseason, to now you're starting in one of the most electric games in Seahawks history. Oh, it was great. You know, um, something I kind of prepared myself for last year on the practice floor when I first got here, just taking it day by day and finding different ways to get better. So it will it'll be something that I always remember. Mike, I was a, a practice squad guy myself. So, um, man, I appreciate you and I appreciate the grind. I remember watching you during preseason and you never left the field, man. I go, this guy has to make the ball club. Um, how rewarding is it for you to not only make the ball club, but to get a start? You got two fumble recoveries. I mean, this mm-hmm. is like a, it feels like a dream come true for me. I'm, I'm living through you right now, Mike. Oh, man. Hey, we us practice squad guys always stick together. But, uh, no, it was fun. Um, just like, just playing in that atmosphere, being back in the game, enjoying football. Because, you know, practice squad, you practice and you're not never really playing so it was something like I'm all grateful for I don't take it for granted because I've been on that other side where a lot of guys haven't so it was just a great experience Michael or Mike excuse me um, you know you're paid to, to cover I mean you're a corner but my goodness do you come with it I mean you you I'm a safety so you to me you play like a safety have you always had that in your game Oh, yes, I've always been, like, the biggest corner, like, the biggest DB. The, uh, like, I'm probably the most in shape, but on paper, I'm the heaviest. Like, I'm about 205. Uh, so it's, it's one of them things where you can't be 205 and talking about, like, I just want to cover guys. Like, nah, you got to be able to come up and hit. So, and I was that kid that all my people that I worked out with, grew up with, they're all D-line so, like, I'm the one that's getting tossed around in the drills. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> so after a while, it paid off. Well, you still, I'm, I'm looking at your combine 40. It, it has you down at running a 4-4-5, four, four, so it's not like uh, you can't run, too. What do you think is your greatest strength? Is it is it in the run game, or is it also, or, or just being a pure cover guy? Honestly, I feel like it's, it's neither. It's just my work ethic, like, I'm not going it don't matter if it's covering or run, run game like you're not going to beat me on the same thing twice like I'm going to make the adjustment um, I'm going to think how you're thinking like because I prepare way more than you have like while you was in the bed sleep like I was up on my feet trying to figure out like alright how am I going to cover this route if they run this if we're in this defense and I get this alright how you going to play it uh, are you going to take your shot right here? This might be a place you might be able to get a pick for me. Just like my mental approach towards the game. I feel like that's my strength. Mike, you are from Birmingham, Alabama. Iron Bowl goes down when you are 12 years old watching TV with your family. Who you rooting for, Bama or Auburn? I, either. I hate both of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's a first. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Man, I, I respect yeah. your game. I respect your game so much, man. Like Moyer talks about, uh, you come downhill, you hit dudes, um, you're around the football. I think people underestimate how how that's a knack, just being at the right place. 
um, when those fumbles uh, just happened to bounce your way. Uh, what was the excitement like running to the sideline, howling at your boys? Because that's what I miss about playing, too, just the chirping, you know, getting to the mix with your boys and the other team. Oh, man, it's, it's great because I'm, I'm always that DB. Like, if I get a turnover, I take care of my big fellas. Yeah. Most 95% of the time, they're the ones who cause. So it was just like, all right, bro, who I got to go by dinner for? It was one of those things that it was, it was just fun. Like, because that's what you talk about. Like, those sidelines, that's what guys miss the most. Like, just being on the sideline with guys, like, you're in the heat of the battle. You're cracking jokes. Um, something might have happened on the field, and guys get into it. But the next series, they can be the same guys over there laughing and joking like nothing happened. It's, it's a true brotherhood, so it's fun. We're visiting with Mike Jackson, starting cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks. And, Mike, last year, you know, you guys make a change, the defensive coordinator. You bring in Coach Desai, Coach uh, Scott as well. Is there something that you can just tell us that's simple, that's different about your past defense this year? Not not going from a 4-3 to a 3-4, but in the past defense. What what is different from this year to last year? Um, I'll say just, you know, communication. More guys are, like, locked in. I'm not going to say locked in on the defense, but we all learned it at the same time. So it's, it's kind of like we all came in at on the same level. Like, none of us know nothing. So when everybody is new to everybody, everybody's learning and everybody's, like, trying to find, okay, what happens if they do this? Like, everybody has those what-if questions. That's just for me personally. That's how I feel. Mike, you spent some time with the Cowboys, the Lions, the Patriots. Um, you've seen – three other organizations and how they operate. What makes Seattle so special? Um, it's, it's a family. Like, Seattle allows you to be yourself. Like, some places you just go to, it's just like a regular job. You go and it's kind of like, yeah, I can't really be myself. Excuse me. I can't really be myself here. Like, it's kind of like I have to go to work, you know, do my job. I'm not going to fake break, but I can't really just relax and be me. Here at Seattle, it's like, you can be you. If you're a quiet person, you can be quiet, and it's not looked at as, oh, you're not a team player. But if you outgoing, laugh, crack jokes, you can be that same one, and it's not, oh, he's not focused, or he plays around too much. Like, you can truly be you. What's that cornerback uh, lock or meeting rooms like? I mean, you got Tyreek Wool in there, who's what played about 15 games at corner. You. I mean, it's just such a great story, and it's part of it is just Pete giving opportunities. But what's just the personalities like in that uh, those meeting rooms with you guys? Oh, it's all all of us are like totally different because we came from you know different backgrounds. Like Tariq from I want to say San Antonio. I'm from Alabama, but at the same time, we all have like that dog mentality to the point where it's like there is no weak link. Like you may think the guy who don't talk, like during the game, I don't talk. I don't say nothing. But it's like you, some, some people it might come off like, oh, he's the weak link because he's not talking trash. But you'll find out that I'm not. But then it's kind of like, oh, well, let's try this guy because he's talking trash. But then you're going to find out, nah, I can't really go at him either. <laughs> so it's kind of like a bunch of dogs in the room that's like always trying to find different ways to get better. 
Man, I love it. I love your game. Um, I'm happy for you, man. And we're looking forward to seeing you guys get it done this week against the 49ers. Mike, we appreciate your time, man. Oh, thank you. All right. That was Mike Jackson starting corner for the Seattle Seahawks. If you are here, hang around. We got raffles going down. But when we return, we're going to talk to Abe Lucas. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Right now, we are joined by a brother. First time I ever met him, but he's my brother. You know why? Because he went to WSU and now he's playing for the Seahawks. Give it up one time for Abe Lucas. Yeah. Abe, so you went to Wazoo. First off, you went to Archbishop, went to Wazoo, and now you're back here in Seattle. Was this like a, a dream come true? Like, is this how you imagined that your football career would, would play out? Well, I mean, I always wanted to play for the Seahawks as a kid, but I never imagined that I wouldn't have left the state since I was a freshman in high school. Uh, you know, just coming from Archbishop and then uh, going to WSU, and now I'm here, you know, so it's all been a, a very big blessing for me. Yes, sir. It is It is pretty amazing. I, I'm assuming you never wanted to go to University of Washington. Oh, you'd be wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I mean, that was... I didn't know much about football up until really I started getting offered by colleges. So, like, uh, me and my dad used to watch University of Washington play just, like, growing up as a kid. And I didn't have, like, this big desire to play there, but I thought it'd be, it would be cool if it was like a hometown kid going to his hometown uh, school type of thing, but you know, I would say it worked out for the better going to Washington State. Hey, yep. wor worked out for you. We, we enjoyed <laughs> you, man. Um, I heard you was a hooper back in the day. Yeah, I at, was. At Archbishop. Mm -hmm. You were down in the paint playing, playing the five? Yeah, I was the center. Alright, how, how was the, the squad over there at Archbishop? Uh, we were pretty average at best, I would say. We weren't really anything special. Uh, I used to get a lot of technicals because I was too physical. <laughs> what, what do you think basketball, how do you think basketball has helped you um, being being old tackle? Um, well, it's certainly, the biggest thing I notice is that it helps with your feet. Um, and, you know, you just kind of get a feel for who can kind of move well. And I was lucky enough to be able to, you know, be a taller guy but not be super gangly and, like, awkward. I could actually move decently well. Yeah. We've, we've heard from many people being drafted by the Seahawks that they had no idea that the Seahawks were going to draft. They didn't really talk to them that much. What was your relationship, or did you have any inclination that they were going to pick you? Well, I, uh, in my, well, when we were at the Combine, I had an interview with them, um, one of those little 20-minute interview things that you do. Um, and I talked to them, and they were, you know, they were cool. I met uh, Coach Andy and uh, Coach Carroll and, you know, a bunch of other guys. I met uh, Steve Hutchinson, legendary uh, nice. player at the uh, Senior Bowl. Um, and I didn't really, I mean, it's not that I didn't think anything of it, but I had like eight of those interviews. So I was just going through trying to be the best I could and be presentable, you know, and not let the, the stress of it all get to me. Um, and then uh, I was uh, worked out by uh, the assistant line coach at WSU when I was staying up there. And then, you know, just kind of took it from their draft day and, you know, got the call. And I was, I was a little bit shocked more so after the fact when I realized, oh, I get to stay home. All you got to do is drive over the mountains <laughs> and, uh, you know, just get this thing started. I, I wanted to, did you move it back in with the parents? Save did, some money? I did for a little bit, yeah. I was staying there for a couple That's weeks. actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. I, I, I no like kid that. coming from college and I get some home field cooked meals. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. You get to you get to pack up the car like you do summertime or oh, whatnot yeah. and just mm -hmm. come back and make the move in. Mm -hmm. You are one of seven kids. Yes. I'm my only child. Mm-hmm. Walk me through that. What is that, and where do you fall in the lineage of, of the one through seven? Uh, so I have an older sister, and then it's me, and then everybody else is younger. Um, 
I believe, I want to say she's 25, I'm 23, and then the rest are younger. I'm not going to go through all their ages. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, but it's very, I would say the biggest thing is it's very loud. Um, <laughs> and there's never a dull moment. I think it's great, and I love it. Um, I'm used to it, you know, but... The reaction is always the same. Wow, that's so many people. How do you do it? I'm like, well, you make it work. Sometimes you got to stretch a little bit, but uh, you get used to it. And you just, I mean, if I had known then what I know now, I probably would have been a little bit more lenient and patient with some things. You I was going to say, you got the you got the soul of like a 30-year-old. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You sound like a very mature, cool. very focused type of person. Did your parents have set high expectations for you? Does, is that where that comes from and being the second oldest of seven? Oh, yeah. I mean, they always did for me growing up. Um, you know, I, as a kid, I guess I didn't really listen to him, you know, with my adolescence and all that. So I was kind of a, I wasn't a problem child, but I wasn't very respectful. And then I got to college, actually, and met my, my first strength coach, and he scared the daylights out of me. So, <laughs> But one of his big things was uh, learning how to be a man, and so he taught me a lot of that. And then I began to realize, well, like, wow, mom, when mom said that I was going to tell her that she was right, she was right. Man, I remember my first, like, two, three weeks of college, I called my mom every day. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, I didn't know, mom. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know. So it's uh, it's nice when you gain that appreciation. And have you been able to do things for your parents now to kind of show them, like, hey, you stuck with me through all these hard times, and I made it, and uh, I love you? Yeah, I mean, I try to as much as possible. I mean, I'm, I'll keep some of the stuff that I want to do or have done private for them, but, you know, I'll always give back to them as much as I can. Yes, sir. With, with six other siblings, is there one you're closest to, or are they so spread out? How's the relationship with everybody? Uh, I love them all to death. They drive me nuts. Uh, <laughs> but no, we're all, everybody's, it's nice because everybody's kind of an individual personality, you know, and you'd really have to meet us to kind of understand that. I mean, it was funny. I remember we took a picture one time. We, were, we had just gotten out of church and we were all standing in front of the cathedral actually in Seattle. And we were all like, I mean, nobody was really paying attention, but everybody was kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. And I was like, that is our family right there in a nutshell, because we're all just kind of off in our own world, you know, and everybody's just doing something different and just looks different. It was great. That is so cool, man. So just, again, come. what is it about Wazoo? I, I mean, obviously, I went to Arizona State. I, I really don't get it. But there is something. But what is it about that makes it so unique to you? I mean, Pullman is a, it, it's a weird place, uh, but it's also a very special place. I mean, I don't really have a straight answer for you other than the fact that it's just like, there's just something about it, you know? I mean, if you're in Pullman, you're there for Washington State, and like, I mean, it's definitely one of the last true college towns in America. Um, game day atmosphere is amazing. It brings everybody together, you know? And I mean, if you look at like the record from, or between like University of Washington and Washington State, I mean, obviously it's not very kind to us, but that kind of helps us like carry that underdog mentality that we have and that brings us together even more so you got an underdog mentality naturally and you get selected to play for the seahawks and monday night football very first week you get the start at tackle what was that moment like and do you remember the the very first play that you ran on monday night and the results of that play I do. I remember it. Um, I'm not going to say what the play was because I can't reveal anything. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I remember what happened. Um, but I, just as far as experiencing Monday night, you know, I used to watch Monday night games as a kid growing up. And uh, I was taught an important lesson by one of my coaches, um, and that was to not make anything bigger than it is. And so I tried to just be as level-headed as I could have been and also be present in the moment. So I wasn't super super amped up or anything going in but i also wasn't super relaxed or anything i just kind of tried to ride the ride the waves of it so to speak i was sharing with the the audience here that again i think that was the most electric crowd during a regular season game like there's been a few but 
What was that like? Any way you can explain the, the noise level going on there? Yeah, it reminded me of WSU, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, yeah, baby. I mean, when they was... piped in the noise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was very, it was loud, and I knew I knew it was going to be loud. I mean, I went, I remember the only, the only other game I went to, I actually remember the day, it was December 6, 2009, when the Seahawks played the 49ers, and we beat them 20-17. to 17. I was in, like, fourth grade at the time. Um, but I remember it just, it was... It was so loud, and my dad didn't want to take me because it was on a Sunday, and he was just like, oh, we just got out of church. I want to go chill. My mom was like, no, take him. And he was like, well, what about the, what about the noise? It's going to be loud. And my mom was like, no, you still got to take him. And I mean, yeah, I expected it, and it was, it was delivered upon immensely. So this week you got uh, the Niners. There's a guy over there, Nick Bosa, who, who you're going to see. I'm sure you've watched him when you were at Wazoo. Uh, what, do you, what do you expect from the Niners in the Bay? I uh, expect a phenomenal game, a phenomenal challenge for myself. I mean, they have a fantastic defense and great players, so it's going to be it's going to be a fun test, I think, um, and I'm looking forward to it. You and Charles Cross, one of the few you know rookie starting tackle, really in history. I mean, there hadn't been that many, I think three in the last what 30, 40 years. Are you guys close? I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure there's things that you guys are going through both mentally, physically as rookies that you, you need to lean on each other about. Oh, sure. I mean, I like to compete with him. I assume he would like to, he likes to compete with me, um, but he's a great guy. Um, and we had the, one of my college coaches uh, left to go to Mississippi State, actually, so he ended up coaching him. So we had that connection instantly. You know, I had met him at the Combine. He's a cool guy. And um, he's got immense talent, and he'll be around for a while. You know, the one thing that's been impressive, I, I think coming out, we all knew you were a good pass uh, protector. You know, you do it a lot in college. But, man, you're a mauler, man, on, in the run game. Yeah. Is, is that something that you knew you had and that we just weren't aware of, or is this something that you developed very quickly through tr uh, training camp? Uh, well, I'd like to say that I, would, I developed it, but I also, I mean, in my system in college was a little bit, strange just coming from the air raid and stuff like that so there wasn't really that big of an opportunity but also i mean in high school i ran block and i did the same thing you know what i mean so um but you know there's always stuff to get better on so i mean i would like to say that i developed it and you know i'm just proving it now if every level of football i've played whether it be youth high school the pros the O-line group is always the closest. There's something about the offensive line group with uh, with you. I talked to Phil Haynes today. I've spoken to Damon. What is it about the offensive line that makes you guys just bond together naturally? I think the greatest thing about being an offensive lineman is that, I mean, you have pressure to succeed, yes, but you're also not going to be like a major star in any way, and I kind of like that just because it attracts less attention to myself. But you're also the first group that if you mess up, like, that's what people are going to notice you know it's like oh there's a bad line if you have a good line it's like okay whatever you know and i think that kind of brings us together plus you know we're i mean we're athletes yeah but we're not dk metcalf type athletes <laughs> you know like i mean you could have some dudes who are just fat sloppy guys who just know how to get the job done and they do it and that just kind of brings us together over the last few years, maybe five or six years, the, the Hawks have been searching for a dominant offensive line, a good offensive line. Do you think uh, we finally found it? Well, I mean, I've only played one game, so I would say <laughs> pump the brakes a little bit on that. Um, I think we have some phenomenal guys in there right now, um, phenomenal veterans, great group of guys, you know, not bad guys or anything. And um, just want to see it get better and improve. We're visiting with Abe Lucas, starting right tackle for the Seattle Seahawks. And. I can say this because I can already tell you're a very humble guy. I can tell that faith is very uh, strong to you as well or important to you. you know, you've kind of been talked about as the steal of the draft, you know, just what you've been developed so far. Who on this team is your biggest mentor? 
God, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I I take a lot from my position coach, um, Coach Andy. I mean, he's a great guy, very very positive individual, not a demeanor, not a you know a yell or a curse or anything like that. And so I take to that a lot. But he also holds holds me and everybody else in that room to a very very high standard. Um, and sometimes I I can get frustrated, but I I know it's for the best and it's for my it's for the betterment of myself and my skills. So I take it in stride. How do you think you played Monday? Played all right. Personally. You, Played okay. I mean, that's yeah. pretty good, though. Yeah, things to, things to clean up, obviously. But, you know, I mean, already thinking about San Francisco yeah. now. So That's going to be a game now. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a physical one. Absolutely. Last one we got for you here, Abe. What is Geno like in the huddle? Um, I've played with a bunch of quarterbacks, and there's something like the presence of a quarterback in that huddle that makes you believe. Um, what's Geno like in the huddle? Hey, just a calm, poised guy. You know, he commands it. Um, there's, I mean, doesn't make it bigger than it is. Comes in, calls the plays, you know, and and we run them. And on the sideline, we're communicating about what we need to do and what we need to get done, and that's how we do it. Yeah. All right. Well, Abe Lucas, everybody, clap it up one time for my guy. <laughs> hey, let me say. It's a shame. The Cougs go to Madison. We beat the number 19 team in the country, and we not ranked. So uh, I just want to throw that out there before we get out of here. An Abe. honorable mention, like a little. No, we don't. Uh, we don't want honorable mention. Anything? It's all good, but we're, we're good being underdogs. Thanks, Abe. We appreciate absolutely, you, man. Absolutely. All right. All right, Abe Lucas, you guys. All right, guys. We will return. We'll go inside the film where we're going to break down Disley's touchdown, Parkinson's touchdowns, and Wilson's fumble. That's next, right here on Hawks Live. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And you know where we went today to eat? We went to Duke's. That clam chowder was good. The crab cake was awesome. They got a good happy hour, 3 to 6 and 9 to close. The salmon and halibut filet is awesome. And you know what? what? They do oysters. They, not everybody does Duke's, oysters. Man. Not everybody does oysters. So if you like that texture, you go ahead and get you some oysters. Well, I remember Moya. when they said we were going to be at the Bellevue Collection, and I go, we're going to be in the mall. Okay. By the way, really cool setup. Great. I mean, just a, a great um, stage and everything they have here. But then I found out we got to go to all the restaurants. Yeah. So we started off with, at Central Bar and Grill last week. <laughs> And then uh, Dukes tonight, and uh, I can't wait till next week. Yeah, Dukes was awesome. Uh, we got to watch some of the uh, the Thursday night game, the Chiefs versus the Chargers. The service was on point. Bellevue Collection, they do it right. They yeah. do it right. Yes, All right. Do. You know who also does it right, man? These Seahawks did it right on Monday night football, Paul man, Moyer. In the very first drive, the very first drive, I'm out there, and I'm like, what is Gino going to look like? I'm nervous for this man. Right, people are calling for Drew Locke. They're saying just tank this year and get you a young quarterback. I'm like, no, nah, Pete Carroll doesn't do that. He does not tank. And uh, Gino came out and did his thing. The first play we're going to break down is a 38-yard touchdown. Gino finds Will Disley. Marquise Goodwin is the slot back on the right side. Homer is in the backfield on third down and two. Here comes the blitz. Gino sidesteps it. Gino keeps moving. Gino throws wide open. Disley 20, 15, 10, 5. Will Disley, who was wide open. All right, here's what I see right here, Moore. I'm going to try to paint the picture for you guys at home. You got a two-by-two formation. You got two receivers down to the right of Geno. You got Uncle Will Disley attached to the line of scrimmage and then a receiver outside of him. Travis Homer standing on the right side of Geno Smith. What happens right here is 
Travis Homer is in to pick up this blitz right here. He did. He, he picks it up. He gets ran <laughs> over, gives Gino just enough time to escape, and Gino keeps his eyes down the field. Now let's talk about what's going on with these receivers. Uncle Will Dissy release. He runs a vertical. The outside receiver does a nice little rub and runs a shallow. Looks like Uncle Will is sitting in, in space right here, and when he sees that Gino is in trouble and he's scrambling, the guy who's guarding Uncle Will goes after Gino, and Gino, the veteran he is, the composer, quarterback he is keeps his eyes downfield drops it over to uncle will disley he can walk into the end zone paul moore yeah this is a bust by by denver it looks like the the safety in the corner uh, have a call and so if the wide receiver runs a crossing route the safety is going to jump them and in that situation the corner should have went back over the top yeah and they both chased the receiver and you know what's weird we're going to get another touchdown. The, the way they play this defense, we completely schemed them because they're playing man and kind of a zone, and they do it again when Co Cody Parkinson on the touchdown. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what Denver, honestly, is doing on this, but it's clearly set up by our formation and the route tree run. Shane Waldron, give him credit. Yeah. Travis Homer, look, sometimes we get run over, but I just need you to be there. Mm -hmm. And he, and you gave everything you could on that. He had to slide all the way inside and yeah. take on a guy who was completely unblocked, who's running like a freight train, and he's just got to absorb it, which he did. This also shows, to me, is the mobility of Geno. And that he's looking downfield the whole time, makes a great throw. What a start to the game. Man, that wasn't even Travis Homer's guy. I'm looking at the pass pro. He's responsible for the guy off the edge that way. But being the veteran that he is, he yep. makes that slide you mentioned, uh, mentioned, and he does that. Okay, the next play we're breaking down, Geno Smith finds Kobe Parkinson for a 25-yard touchdown, his first touchdown as a pro. Second down and six, offset eye. Geno steps up in the pocket, throws down. A 25-yard touchdown, and Gino is just absolutely playing like a magician tonight, seeing everything, moving to the open spot, and throwing perfect passes to Seahawks lead 16-10. You know, it's kind of the same route. There's different formation completely. I mean, you got a little bit of a, I don't, I don't know, a power formation, what it looks like, which means you got uh, two two people in the backfield with uh, Gino, uh, and one of them's a tight end and a running back. But uh, they set this up again. They they have our wide receiver to our right, and he runs a quick crossing route. The corner jumps it, and they isolate the tight end on the linebacker. I mean, we just schemed him, and this is a great throw. I mean, there's nothing more to it to me than this other than we schemed him on this play. Yeah. And Gino knew exactly where to go with the football, and that's what we saw the whole first half. Yeah, I think this play is all about influence, right? When you have one, two, three guys to the right side of the formation, skill guys, you got that, you got Rashad Penny in that pistol look. Two running backs flow to the right. The number one receiver crosses Parkinson's face. You get guys going left, you get guys going right. Gino finds the favorable matchup, 
throws it up to the 6-7 target. When you are 6-7, all you got to do is put that thing up there, and he's going to come down with it. And we're happy for Colby. He trained. We, he changed his body. We talked to him last week about yep, he that. He was on the show um, last week. He broke his foot twice, I yep. believe, fifth metator. So I got that same um, injury with my foot. I got a screw in my foot right now. I'm sure he does as well. Um, not an easy injury to come back from when your job is to run routes and make people miss. Yeah, I mean, he's he was my surprise guy this year that I thought would have a breakout year. And part of it was just, you know, the transformation of his body. He definitely has a skill set, being tall, great hands. But you know what else? I mean, when we had him on the show last week, and then I saw another uh, special uh, the Seahawks did on, on one of the, the local channels, and I was watching him talk with Will Disley. Man, his leaders, he is a natural-born leader. People follow mm-hmm. him. He's just got the coolest personality. He's so chill. He's just got this natural laugh about him. And then you got Uncle Will, who is just, <laughs> this is not negative, but he's, he's just nerdy, right? He's got the nerdy answers. And then you got this Stanford guy and, and Col- Col- Colby Parkinson, who I think he is going to be really good for us. All right. Next play we're breaking down is Shannon Nuoz, who punches the ball out on third and goal from the Seattle one. Third and goal from the one. Russ hands the ball off. The ball is out again. And the Seahawks fall on it. Williams fumbled. He's hit in the backfield. He fumbled. The ball is recovered by the Seahawks. Michael Jackson recovers the ball. The second time he's recovered in that end of the field. And the Seahawks defense stops Denver again. Man, this is just, man, this is just heart. But there's two things about this play. I mean, it's goal line, so you're selling out. And there's times that you're going to guess wrong, and, and sometimes you guess right. But you still have to play it fundamentally right. And it starts with, um, um, uh, I'm trying to blank. Al Woods. No, uh, Barton, Cody Barton. Barton. I got too many C's here. I got Colby's. <laughs> and, and so uh, it's Cody Barton, and what he does is when he, he knifes into the gap, the, the, I think the tackle tries to wash him down, but yeah. he doesn't let him because if you let him wash him down, that accentuates the hole. That makes it really hard. And Nuosu, who also got inside the tight end, mm-hmm. and now there's just a big hole, and particularly for Jones, who's going to have to sit there and try and make a one-on-one tackle. But, man, the effort by Nuosu on this is crazy. I mean, he knifes in. He makes sure that he doesn't get washed down. He still has the ability to change direction, also get his hand on the football, um, and you know, just hustle. We had Michael Jackson on early. He got the two fumble. Recovery. Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson. <laughs> he, he, he. Um, <laughs> that's all I got. But it just, we had two of them. We had two goal line stands. Yeah. And, and you, you, we talked about this on the postgame show. It's heart versus heart. You, not much you can do. You know, you can run a play action. I mean, they got all the, the, the formation in tight, so I know where all the players are. If yeah. I read my keys, all I got to do is come with it. And if a guy releases, you know, I got to get my hands on him and try to adjust to the pass. But it's all about, man, who wants it. And, boy, the Seahawks wanted it. Man, what I love about goal line play is that just what you mentioned, it's hard, man. Yeah. It's like, look, there's not too many places you can go. <laughs> you know, you got six yards to play with, excuse me, 11 yards to play where you're on the one yard line and you just got to get big. And I got to, I got to big ups Al Woods, man. I mean, he attacks that right guard. I believe it is just yes, the right guard and pushes him back, man. And, yeah. and just all you want to do, big one you want to, you want to cause this clutter and chaos when you're down there on the goal line. That's exactly what he does. And then 
another big ups to Mike Jackson just for being aware and being where you're supposed to be and getting his eyes in the backfield. It's almost like he diagnosed this play and said, you know what, I got to get my eyes in the backfield and see what's going on here. This, to me, reminds me of, remember, was it last year, a couple years ago, the defensive stand on the goal line against the New England Patriots. And I think it was L.J. Collier who got in the backfield and made something happen and caused a fumble. It's almost like every year this defense has a signature moment on that goal line. And so far, they had, what, three in this game, two fumbles on the one and then uh, forcing Russell to throw the ball at the back of the end zone on the last one. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is a signature Pete Carroll team, right? I mean, that's what they they take pride in. I got to give Josh Jones, too. I mean, mm-hmm. he was there, and he squared up on the running back. So even if Nwosu doesn't knock the ball out, we, we, we stop him. Yeah. Um, but this is just, man, I mean, there's so many good plays. You mentioned Al Wood on this. I mean, even Jordan Brooks is battling on the backside. But Al Wood getting about four yards in the backfield and, and taking the, the lineman all the way back there, that really did start it. Yes, it did. All right, those were the three plays that we chose to break down. Geno finds Will Disley for a 38-yard touchdown. Then Geno finds Kobe Parkinson for a 25-yard touchdown. And then Achenna Nawos, who punches the ball out on the goal line. Those were huge plays. Okay, when we return, it's time to talk that talk. Myself and Paul Moore will break down a couple issues and give you our thoughts about it. He thinks he wins every time. It's all good. We'll let him think that. That's coming up next right here on Hawks Live. Paul Moore, yep. what should we expect from the 49ers. Oh, man, they're physical. Um, offensively, real quick, they they run a really intricate running game, fly sweeps. Um, they're going to bring in Trey Lance as well. So they're going to have, you know, you're used to having, you know, one more than they have defensively, you know, So not, but now we're going to have to come off blocks to make plays if they incorporate them too much. Really good play action, deep crossing routes. So we've got to take away that deep crossing route, and we just got to stop the running game. But it's going to be a power football game for them defensively my goodness their front four gets after you fred warner i think is is one of the special linebackers in this league he's just fun to watch and then i can't remember the kid's name from sc but it's his first year really starting he is another troy palomalu i'm unbelievable so it's it's going to be a huge test they're uh, to me they're better than denver uh at least in the trenches um maybe not skill position so i think we'll be able to handle their wide receivers you know certainly denver had a, a tough job they their quarterback trey lance is not quite ready he should not be the one who beat us so if we don't turn the ball over play good defense i think it's gonna be a heck of a game it should be a good one trey lance we'll see how he looks his second official start as the uh as the guy last year he had a few starts but different type of pressure when going into the week you know that you're going to be the guy and then how can this offense evolve and what can we see from this defense one player on offense who needs to step up one player on defense uh penny for sure we have to run the football i think everybody else has kind of stepped up and i um, we just got to give him more than 12 carries uh if if we only carry the ball 12 times with penny it's going to be a long day uh defensively man who are uh I t- I'm going to go with Mike Jackson. Uh, the, okay. the corners are going to have to be involved in this running game. No question. Yeah. And uh, I think Mike gives us an edge because he's such a physical running back. They try to run those fly sweeps. I think he has a chance to help out with Samuel. What I think on offense, 
somehow you got to find a way to get DK Metcalf involved. Now, they did with short game, threw a bunch of screens to him, but um, you know what he does best. That's going over the top. So now can you design plays to get guys to bite down and allow DK to go over the top and let Tyler be Tyler, right? You get into that red zone, red zone you know what he works, the back of the end zone, the corners, right? You have that as an option. So offensively, that's what I need to see. Defensively, I just want to see an interception. It's been a long time since we saw an interception. With all preseason without one, um, almost had one last game. Quandre Diggs almost had one, but uh, just didn't bring it home. But uh, that's what I'm looking for. I have two game plans. One is if Kittle's not in the game, and one if Kittle is in the game. Okay. Because if Kittle's in the game, then all focus goes to him on in the passing game. Yeah. If he's not, I I, I think we can we can shut them down. You got to shut them down. You yeah. go two and zero. You are still number one in the NFC. West. We're going to be number one in the NFC West no matter what. No matter what. We're the only team with a one-game lead in the division. Okay? And I'm sticking to it until next week, and we're going to go 2-0, and and they're going to all lose, and we're going to have a two-game lead. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Hawks Live. Special thanks to Jennifer Chanley, Mike Jackson, and Abe Lucas for joining the show. Our on-board operator is Brady Robick. On-site engineer is Brennan Rogers. Production assistant from the Shot Kondapudi. All right. Executive producer is Nash Achobi. The Seahawks pregame show was live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumas with Paul Moyer. We'll get back to you right here next week on Hawks Live.